the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your week nine NFL betting preview where we talk about our favorite totals, teasers, underdogs, and of course, build our weekly Sunday six pack of against the spread bets with the help of my co host, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation. Stucky, Stuck, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, brother? Yeah, excited to talk this slate. A little lighter slate, more teams with a bye on Sunday. But uh, coming off, back on track, coming off uh, after my first losing weekend at a winning weekend. Um, I was glad for the show. I think I went one and two in the six-pack. Unlike you, you, you swept the entire <laughs> card again. Uh, and then I hit my teaser, Moneyline Dog, uh, total. Anyone that listened or followed on Twitter or the Action Network app made money. So, uh, but like I always say, who cares? We're on to the next week. Yes, sir. And before we get into the Thursday night football game, a quick heads up for folks who bet more than just football. Action Network has a full lineup of podcasts and they are all in full swing right now. So if you're into betting NBA, check out Buckets with new episodes every weekday. If you're into betting hockey, our NHL show Line Change with Nick Martin has been crushing so far. And if you want to bet some World Cup later this month, our soccer guys on the Wonder Goal podcast have you covered. So be sure to check out Buckets, Line Change and Wonder Goal wherever you like to listen. All right, time to talk some Thursday night football. So let's get it started with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Houston Texans. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. So the Texans are 14-point home underdogs. The total is up to 45 and a half. At FanDuel, the official sponsor of the Action Network podcast, this is a game where I really don't want any part of, but uh, what are your thoughts just on the matchup, Philly, Houston, how they're playing? Don't, uh, honestly, I, I don't really care, um, but we'll talk about it since I know some people will bet it. Uh, this game, this is the worst Thursday night game imaginable, but there's going to be like World Series on, there's college football on, and like... You're, you're gonna you want me to pull up an app for this game sorry nfl this will be the one thursday night game i will not be watching i'll probably i mean i i have chat i have a producer coming in the town we'll be out thursday night so I'll, i won't even have a chance to watch it but which is great timing because i just this game is awful the number is a little high based on what i make it but i am petrified of houston after what i saw last week because they were playing a backup quarterback who threw the ball one time in the first quarter and got sacked against a team that just handed it off a million times to Derrick Henry. Like, what, with no receivers, what did you think they were going to do? And he ran all over them. So now you're going to have to go up against the Eagles um, rushing attack with 
way better receivers and way better quarterback play and a way better offensive line. So even if the Eagles come in here with a vanilla game plan, short week on the road, they could still blow this open. I don't know. I can't lay 14 on the road in the NFL game on a short week. There's also big backdoor risks when you're laying a number like that. As we saw with, you know, Green Bay at 10 and a half, feels like the game's out of hand and all of a sudden it never really is in an NFL game because the Eagles could easily come out in the first half, go up, kind of just sit on it. And all of a sudden, you know, you see the Texans with the ball down 17 late with a chance to lose by 10. So, yeah, I think 14 is going to – the only way that you could get anyone to bet the Texans, I will not, but I will also not bet the Eagles. For what it's worth, the Eagles are 7-0 against the spread in the first half. First team since the 2013 Panthers to start out 7-0 against the spread in the first half of the season. But uh, ugly, ugly, ugly. This game deserves to be on an app. It's kind of like a college football, like UMass game that's on – if Fubo, you have uh, – stadium i'm glad this is on an app it's, it's where it belongs but n- no thanks for me yeah maybe you know if you want to get some action maybe you look at a prop like a, a miles sanders over or something last two weeks houston 61 carries for 447 yards and five touchdowns to opposing running backs uh mostly josh jacobs and derrick henry uh but you know i watched every snap of every every game but you know like the, this last texans game against the titans uh, especially I just could not get over how like every play they knew exactly what was coming and they couldn't stay. Even when Dontrell Hilliard got in the game, he ran Dontrell Hilliard carried eight times for 83 yards. Dontrell Hilliard had 95 scrimmage yards behind a running back who touched the ball 33 times. That's absurd. This team cannot stop the run. So can't weigh the points with Houston. I mean, my Philly brain Bay. wants me to take Houston. Yeah. So if you want to follow my brain, like how I bet the NFL, no team is as bad as they looked the week prior. Buy low, sell high. You have an undefeated team playing a team with one win. The team's at home on national TV. This will basically be their season. Their defense got embarrassed last week. It's a short week. It's very difficult to cover 14 in the NFL. So buy low, sell high. If this gets to like 14 and a half, my brain would say bet Texans. But I, I just don't want to torture myself with this game. I think something weird's going on with, with Brandon Cooks too, because he had that cryptic tweet a couple of days ago on the, well, I think it was yesterday when he did not get traded. And he kind of said, essentially, you know, don't mess with my career. And he hasn't practiced since this saying it's his wrist, but he practiced in full Monday. So uh, more likely that something, you know, kind of like an Elijah Moore situation going on. There's a possibility he does not play. I mean, he didn't practice Wednesday. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, and listen, you already got Slay Bradbury to deal with. So, if you don't have Brandon Cooks, the points are going to be hard Moore to hunt by. Gun in my head, I would just go Philly and hope they can get it done. Thursday night favorites by seven or more uh, are 35 and 21, 63% against the spread uh, over the better part of the last two decades for what it's worth, just because it is hard for you know, an inferior team on a short week to kind of scheme up a way to to stay competitive. So uh, that, that's about all I think about that. But yeah, I think this is, this scream, stay away. Watch something else. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's jump in to the week number nine, Sunday six pack. Thirsty for action. Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. All right, so you got some work to do, man. 
Back to back sweeps. I'm, for me. I'm happy to get blown out of the sweep every week for our for our uh, listeners. Uh, that would be I, I would love that. Podcast. Hopefully, I can join the sweep party soon as well. Where are you going with your first pick? All right, for my first pick of the week nine Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel, I am going with the Indianapolis Colts plus five and a half at the New England Patriots. Yeah, this is ugly, um, but. I just think that this number, number number one, my raw number is much lower than this. I'm at like three, eight, three, nine. And it's very difficult today's scoring environment, which this total reflects this total is sitting around 38 and a half, 39 to cover games with margin Uh, this year. Dogs of over a field goal are 47 and 26 against the spread 64 and a half percent. Frank Reich for what it's worth as an underdog of over three points on the road is 12, three and one against the spread. But there's a couple things that I like here about this matchup. The Colts defense, which is much healthier now in the front seven, Leonard should be off the snap restriction or as much the snap count restriction that he was on last week, or it's going to be loosened. They say, I don't know if we'll be up to full speed. Quiddy pay is expected to be back. They think, and you know, Buckner was dealing with an injury. So that front seven is now as healthy as it's been in a while. And they've been good against the run all year. You know, sixth in rush success rate, sixth in rush DVOA. That's the bread and butter of the Patriots. The weakness of the Indianapolis defense so far this year has been their secondary. But you're not going to really get beat and burnt by this New England passing attack. Mac Jones has not been good. I mean, he is 25th in adjusted EPA per play among all qualified quarterbacks. You look at that New England game last week. Oof, I mean, would they average under four yards per play? Mac Jones uh, made some questionable throws, and he just doesn't look comfortable right now, and he hasn't played well all year. And granted, he doesn't have the best group of receivers to work with, which I think works in Indianapolis' favor here. And then on the other side of the ball, Jonathan Taylor is dealing with an ankle, so it's worth monitoring here. I, I think he's going to end up playing, but he didn't practice today. He got it taped up during the game and then went back in. He's yeah, he still doesn't look 100 percent, but the Patriots run defense has been really poor here. So I think if he does play, you know, he can have a decent day. And this is where Ellinger's mobility can come into play against a New England team that does get pressure at a pretty high rate. But it's a New England defense that also is just Jekyll and Hyde because they're they're young. One week they look good. The next week they don't. And every time, you know, they they look good. The next week they, they have a really poor performance. And I liked what I saw from Ellinger last week. Uh, he looked comfortable, poised. In the second half alone, he was 11 of 13 for 150 yards, including a 20-yard dime to Michael Pittman, who potentially could have got out of bounds if he caught it. I mean, he literally dropped wide wide open, was put right in his hands to try to could have got out of bounds to set up a potential Colts game-winning field goal attempt. So he looked real, he looked comfortable. I thought he had a bad fumble. In the, in the red zone early, but he looks comfortable overall, and especially in the second half. So I think he can build on that. The Colts also fired their offensive coordinator. A lot of talk about his involvement in the scripted portion of the play of games. The Colts, since Wright got there prior to this year, were the second best team in the NFL on offense in the fifth, first 15 plays of a game. This year, they haven't scored in an opening drive. They've been the worst. So Maybe we'll see some a little nuance and uh, switch up the script here. I also like how Ellinger went to 
Stefan Gilmore was the was the word earlier this week and said, tell me everything you know about Belichick. Seems to be approaching this right. But I just think ultimately it's too high. It's a decent matchup for the Colts defense. And it's, it's tough to cover this number with a total of 39 against a very limited Patriots offense. Yeah, I mean, Wack Wilson last week, five-point loss because they got that touchdown late. And the Patriots dominated. I mean, I think it's just the Jets defense kept them in it. But we saw yeah, one the, by five with Wilson throwing yeah. interceptions all over the field. Shouts to the shouts to the guy who tweeted us saying we were wrong about Zach Wilson and he has that dog in him. Where where is it? I don't I don't see it. That Wilson have that one, <laughs> he'll have one touchdown throw. I might like, he'll complete like one long pass and then I'll get I'll get mentions. I'm like yeah he still has an NFL quarterback. He's gonna complete some passes. But by the way, in that Patriots game against the Jets, very very questionable roughing the passer call that changed the entire game on a Mac Jones uh, horrendous throw. He got he got hit a little late, had nothing to do with the throw, but he got away with that one. And I don't understand now we're with the NFL, we're going to like, okay, wait, all right, yep, 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 it's not a catch. Like, and now we're, it's taking a little, I like it. No one's had to challenge it anymore. Do the same thing with these game-changing calls that swing win probability a million percent. Okay, yeah, he didn't hit him in the head, clean hit. It wasn't roughing the passer. Okay. Uh, correction. Uh, after further discussion, it is not roughing the passer. It's that easy. Anyway. Speaking of which, since we're on the subject, let me get your thoughts. What are your thoughts on referee impact? We have the referee filter in Action Labs, and uh, I happen to see that Quay Martin, who's refereeing this Patriots Colts game, Underdogs have a 43 and 23 against the spread record uh, when he is the referee. And it actually grades as an A, A graded trend, which means like the sample size checks out and all that stuff. So uh, just curious as to, you know, do you think there's certain refs that have kind of like impact or is it just all randomness? Uh, I think it's uh, mostly noise. There's, you know, s- there's certain refs that like to call specific types of penalties more often than others and then depending on the style of a team that could impact it but there are certain officials i do believe this in every sport you'll see this in mlb basketball i, I think hockey is one of them you have to check his road and underdog records but that they like to play like the villain almost so that there's some like villain like villain qualities of some refs that just like, oh, this crowd's going to get mad at me. And some umps like will favor the home crowd. Like, you know, that's what home field advantage is about. But some like officials like to go against that and love to be the guy, like the kind of the, the heel. So uh, I don't know. I think that the, you can find some things you have to really dig. But like most trends, I like to have some sort of explanation as to why. But I do think it's mostly noise. To your point, uh, Sean Hockley rode – Dogs against the spread are 25 and 14, 64% uh, when he's the ref. So, uh, you know, that kind of lends itself to what you're talking about. Thanksgiving game and he threw 17,000 pass interference flags on the Cowboys. against. Oh, the yeah. It was like the same was dude. Was it like, was it Anthony Brown? I think it was. Yeah. Who got That was the hockey game. He flags knew he was or something on. like that. He had the national stage. I think they got flagged for 185 yards of penalties to Cowboys uh, in that game. So, yeah, there's there's some hidden gems for that. Mm. Ultimately, you agree with that? The Colts? 
Yeah. 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 Like I'm, I'm, I mean that way too. Like I, so another thing I like about the Colts, you know, they play a lot of zone. You know, we talk about that when going up against Trevor Lawrence, but Mac Jones and the Patriots, they've been, or at least Mac Jones has been top five against man, but 20th against zone and yards per targeted pass. So, uh, you know, this kind of defense tends to give them problems. That's how you get that cover with that plus five and a half. So, and I think yep. it might go to six if Taylor, if we keep like if Taylor misses yeah, another day to practice. Yep. So that's why I wanted to bring, I wanted to ask you again, because I just wanted to say, I haven't put this in the app yet because it's at five and a half and five is a pretty dead number and it's way more advantageous to wait. So I'm going to wait to see if this pops up, but anyway, guys, what do you got? For my first pick in the second overall of the week nine Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel, I am going with the Washington Commanders plus three and a half at home with Jerome Boger predicted against the Minnesota Vikings. I am, man. I listen, I told you the minute they get Carson Wentz out of here, first of all, they're winning. Uh, so there's that. But uh, I look at this matchup and like obviously Washington. Very, very average team. But I think the perception here is kind of skewed in that I think people look at Washington as a bad team and Minnesota as a very good team. And so Minnesota is getting more than the field goal on the road here. And I don't I don't think that should be the case because you look at Minnesota this year. Yeah, they're six and one straight up, uh, but they've actually been outgained on average three eighty three to three forty six. Uh, so this is this team is not quite as good as it looks on paper. Meanwhile, Washington, you know, two type Taylor Heineke starts out gain Green Bay 364 to 232, out gain Indianapolis 362 to 324. So they're doing just enough with him uh, behind center. But I like their defense in this spot. Washington's defense, since they benched William Jackson, who now is traded to Pittsburgh, but they benched him in week five and weeks one to four. They were 20th in EPA per dropback allowed. Since benching them, they're eighth in EPA per dropback allowed. And even though they basically benched Jackson because he couldn't pick up their zone and, and match scheme, Washington still plays more man coverage than most teams in the league. They play the seventh highest rate of man coverage. Well, why is that important? Because Minnesota, they have been struggling against man coverage this year, just 6.3 yards per targeted pass, 27th in the league. This Washington defensive front is also the best Minnesota has faced uh, this season. Their 26% pressure rate is fourth in the league. Kirk Cousins, 14th from a clean pocket with a 103 passer rating, but under pressure that drops to 62, uh, which is 26th. I don't think he'll have another one of those big Dalvin Cook games like he had last week because Washington is number two in run DVOA. So uh, they could get the Vikings in some you know, must-pass situations where I think they could get some pressure and, and affect Cousins. And then on the other side of the ball, yes, Zadarius Smith is balling, but Minnesota's still below average in pressure. Heineke this year, 132 rating from a clean pocket. Minnesota does not blitz, so I, I don't think much is going to change on that front. But if they do blitz, Heineke's also been tearing it up against the blitz with a one 11 rating and Minnesota dead last in DVOA against opposing number one wide receivers, which benefits the commanders because Heineke, unlike Wentz, Heineke funnels the ball to Terry McLaurin a lot more. Like he feeds him. Wentz was giving him just 6.2 targets per game. He was averaging just 61 receiving yards under four catches with Wentz with Heineke. 
five and a half catches per game, 93 yards uh, and half a touchdown. So his numbers go way up and this is the perfect defense uh, for that. You have Heineke since last November, his last 10 games, last 10 starts, eight and two against the spread. One of those losses was by a half point. So he could easily be nine and one against the spread in his last 10. And Kirk Cousins off a straight up win with the Vikings, just 13, 22 and one against the spread, 37%. So for the third straight week, give me the commanders. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate this. The, the Vikings continue to win coin flip games. They've won about five or six um, this year against Meh and some backup quarterbacks. And yeah, their defense is not great to me. And you know, this field can kind of slow them down a little bit, um, which I think works in Washington's favor. Um, so yeah, I think getting over a field goal here, I agree. Where are you going with uh, pick number two? All right, for my second pick and the third overall of the Week 9 Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus three. I think it's minus three at yep. FanDuel. See if you can get two and a half out there, if you can shop around or wait on FanDuel. It's been popping back and forth all week, but I do still like it at three. Both of these teams are semi-broken. The Rams are much more broken. So I'm getting, you know, I'll break it down in the simplest terms. I'm getting the Bucks who have the better offense, the better defense, and the better special teams at home off extended rest against uh, a Rams team coming across the country. I know McVay has been good going from West East Coast in a small sample size against the spread, but this is just a different team. You know, when I look here, just to give you – and Bucks are getting healthier. I think they're going to get some key defenders back. Uh, their wide receivers have just been banged up all year. They're finally getting back up to speed. Brady has not looked the same under pressure. I mean, his his average depth of target drops to like 3.8 yards yeah. when he's under pressure. It's just it's automatic dump to the running back. Fire. But the Rams get pressure 12% of the time, second fewest rate in the NFL. Um, they're not getting any pressure. When Brady has a clean pocket, he leads the NFL 15 big-time throws. He's nine touchdowns, one interception numbers look fine so yeah i mean adjusted epa per play brady 13th in the league stafford 26th how about adjust how about adjusted epa per play for all the offense overall bucks 20th rams 32nd worst offense in the league from an epa per play perspective epa per play on defense bucks eighth rams 16th so then if you break it down a little further neither team will be able to run the ball here <clears throat> with much success so how about let's look at when these two teams drop back. EPA per drop back, Bucks defense, sixth, also sixth in success rate. Rams, 27th and 21st in success rate. I mean, just everything points to Tampa here, especially if you can under a few, if a field goal or below at home in a good spot. And two desperate teams. You also have your revenge factor from last year. Don't care about that, but from the playoffs. But I, I, there's just something. Com and then I didn't even mention that Cooper Cup might not be 100%. Who knows? It's an ankle. They say he's going to be good, but you never know when that flares up or what kind of swelling he's going to be dealing with. Look at Keenan Allen, who apparently isn't going to play again, and uh, his injury is getting worse. But, I mean, there's here are the quarterbacks with negative EPA per play this year besides Stafford, who, by the way, has a 5.9-yard average depth of target. That's the lowest in the NFL. In 2019, he was the highest in the NFL at 10.8. Last year, he was at 8.3. 
He's down to 5.9. Now, Van Jefferson getting back will help that a little bit, but he's running rent so- sprints out there last week. Yeah, I mean, eventually, <laughs> I'm saying uh, it is, but the offense is, but the offensive line is bad and everything is bad. Here are the quarterbacks with negative EPA per play besides Stafford. Winston benched, Ryan benched, Bortles, Trubisky benched, Russell Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson should be benched. Carson Wentz, Wentz benched, Flacco benched, Mayfield benched, Davis Mills should be sitting on a bench somewhere, and Kenny Pickett. That's it. Those are your quarterbacks with negative EPA per play and Stafford. Uh, so I think this is the spot for the Bucks. They're getting healthier, center rest, better offense, better defense, better special teams. And I think when both these quarterbacks drop back, the Bucks are more likely to have success on defense than the Rams will. Brady with a clean pocket here, I think will have success at home. Give me Tampa. It's really surprising to me that after the Rams made – you know, some high risk, high reward, but still very prudent moves to kind of address, you know, they had this roster that was very studs and scrubs, stars and scrubs, you could say. And it's just surprising to me now that they did not foresee any of this. Like you don't re-sign Von Miller and now you have absolutely zero edge rush. And even the fact that you have the best defensive player in the game is still essentially getting zero pressure. But it's just very surprising to me that a team that kind of executed the plan and crafted a roster on the fly to go win a Super Bowl, granted, of course, they had some luck along the way, but that now they just seem so clueless. Everything seems to be off with the Rams. Everything seems to be off with the Bucks too. I would much prefer the two and a half, obviously, to the to the three because – this Bucks team, I don't, I don't know if they're beating anybody by more than three points these days either. Uh, I can't really get a handle on it. It's, every time I think the Bucks are gonna, they do something, they don't. But uh, I agree, this Rams team is just complete. Like this is a bad Rams team, like a legitimate bad football team. They don't get pressure. They're not efficient on offense. They, they are over reliant on one player. They cannot run the ball. They cannot block. You're right. Yeah. Their, their best player, uh, their best cover man is not really impacting games. It's just, it, it's a mess out there. Yeah. yeah. All right. For my second pick and the fourth overall of the week nine Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel, I'm going with the Carolina Panthers plus seven and a half at the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is another one of these spots where you have an underdog, you have a low total game. And I, I think this Panthers team, ever since he got rid of Matt Rule, I, I just like the way this team is playing. And I think they're going to give you know teams problems, especially if they kind of overlook them coming in. So look at, I think this is what's going to happen with the Panthers. Look at what happened to Cleveland last week on defense. They came into the game on Monday night. They were ranked bottom five in pass defense, DVOA. Everyone was like, what's wrong with this defense? Uh, and then they hold the Bengals to 193 net yards and 40 dropbacks, 4.8 net yards per attempt. Now they rank 16th in pass defense, DVOA. So they jumped 12 spots. Uh, I think the Panthers are going to do something similar because I think they're better uh, than their – metrics on paper say and part of that is you know just like the browns panthers haven't been completely healthy but you do have jc horn back he's missed about 30 percent of the snaps this season but on 212 coverage snaps per pro football focus 
19 targets, which is great. People are barely throwing at him. Eight catches, 46 yards. So 46 yards on 19 targets, 46 yards on 212 snaps, uh, no touchdowns, one pick. Uh, without Chase, I, I just think this Bengals offense is going to struggle because, remember, it struggled with Chase at times. Like, for all the star power and firepower they had, this Bengals offense was not looking great, and they were in a lot of one-score games uh, early in the year. But you look at the numbers. Burrow throwing to Chase, 10.3 yards per attempt, 16.1 yards per completion, and a 9.7% touchdown rate per target. To everyone else, 7.6 yards per attempt. So he drops over two and a half yards per attempt, 10.6 yards per completion, which means he drops five and a half yards there. Uh, and the touchdown rate is more than cut in half at four and a half percent. So a completely different offense when Chase is out of the lineup. And it affects the other receivers too. It affects the whole offense because it just makes them easier to defend. T. Higgins, 9.5 yards per target with Chase in the lineup. 8.5 yards per target with Chase not in the lineup. Tyra Boyd, 9.2 yards per target with Chase in the lineup. 7.7 with Chase not in the lineup. Carolina seventh and run defense DVOA. So I don't think the Bengals will be able to just run the ball and kind of get out of here. It, I, I think they're going to have to put it up. And I think this is the Cincinnati O-line still not good. I think Brian Burns can get to him for a sack or two. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, this Panthers offense, I still think it can do enough. I mean, we saw, you know, obviously, if you had the Panthers, P.J. Walker bails you out with the longest uh, air yard touchdown of all time. And then the most, it's the crazy sweat after that. I just think that this Bengals defense on a short week is in a bad spot. You have uh, a defense that in the first three weeks of the season when D.J. Reader, uh, their interior lineman, was healthy, they were allowing the fifth uh, lowest rushing success rate, uh, just under 34%. Uh, since he went down, they're allowing the fifth highest rush success rate at 46.4%. And Carolina's rushed for 169 or more yards in both games since they traded Christian McCaffrey. So they really haven't missed a beat uh, with that rushing attack. Deontay Foreman. I mean, I, if I had a, a, die, a dollar for every time the commentator called Deontay Foreman Derrick Henry or compared him to Derrick Henry. And so I'd be rich right now, but um, nevertheless, he's, he's playing well. And then when they throw the ball, Chidobe Awuzie tore his ACL in that Monday night game. He was allowing a 42% catch rate uh, and 5.1 yards per target on 43 targets. So a very, uh, a large amount of targets were, were coming his way and he was shutting them down. And without him here, it, it's going to be tougher to, to guard DJ Moore, who ever since PJ Walker has become the starter, now Moore is all of a sudden averaging 76 yards per game, 5.3 catches. Uh, he scored in two of the three. So he's finally come to life. Carolina's not giving up sacks uh, with PJ. He's getting the ball out, four sacks in his three starts compared to 17 sacks in the five games uh, that uh, Mayfield started. And uh, Cincinnati's still below average in pressure. So uh, it'll, th there were just receivers running open last week for Cleveland. Uh, it's just going to be really tough to fix all of this on a short week. And there's just not a, there's still not a ton of tape on this Carolina offense with, with Walker. So I just think this is a tough spot. And historically, a lot of the trends back it up. Road underdogs in week nine or 10 facing a team that's covering 60% or more of the time, like the Bengals are uh, the, the road dog is 77, 45 and two against the spread 63% since 2005. 
single digit road underdogs against the home favorite on short rest, 133 at 95 and seven against the spread, 58% since 05. Week nine underdogs by seven or more are 42, 26 and one. 62% against the spread since 05. Burrow, just one in four against the spread in his career when favored by seven or more. Uh, and PJ Walker, all time, five starts, four and one against the spread with three outright wins. And he's covering by an average of 16 and a half points per game. So give me the Panthers at over a touchdown in a low total game. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll be mentioning this game later in the show so i'm just gonna move on to my third pick in the fifth overall of the week nine sunday six pack let's get uncomfortable let's go with the arizona cardinals minus two at home against the seattle seahawks this i i mean look i don't like to play this is probably the last week <laughs> of cliff kingsbury week nine i don't uh... like to bet cliff kingsbury um <laughs> i did it last week and he had some time management issues. They also came out and were down early again, like they're every week. This is why this is the third pick, because I'm going to bet it pregame. I'm going to explain why in a second, but I'm also going to bet it live when they go down 7 nothing, as they always do <laughs> each and every week. But let's break this one down. I mean, when these two teams met three weeks ago and the Cardinals were laying two and a half at Seattle, neither team did anything. They both averaged four and a half yards per play. The only difference between the two teams, I mean, the Cardinals are one of five on fourth downs. It was an even game. The Cardinals passing game was much less efficient than Seattle's and Seattle's running game was way less efficient than Arizona's. Well, there was no DeAndre Hopkins there. We obviously know how much better Arizona's. He's been probably the best receiver in the NFL since coming back. So we got to upgrade from that game. You upgrade the Seahawks a little bit. And then since then they, you know, they beat up a beat up chargers team. And then a great spot against the Giants last week that I talked about last week. They get upgraded. The Cardinals, though, they beat the Saints. And then they exceeded expect my expectations last week in Minnesota. They were plus four, and they, it was a dead-even game. Graded out as a dead-even push. Um, and like I said, they got Hopkins back. They were minus two and a half in Seattle. And I know we're, we were already starting to upgrade Seattle. Now I can get Arizona minus two at home. And by the way, Arizona hasn't been good at home. has covered their last two at home. Look. Seattle, what Geno Smith is doing is incredible, but if you really dig deeper, a lot of his success is coming on plays with an option to run or throw. A play action passes, he is absolutely shredding, and he's done a lot of his damage against some of the worst defenses in the NFL. Because if you look at teams that have defended the run well, Geno Smith's results haven't been there because you don't have to start bringing everybody up and defending the run. So if you look at Geno Smith's and Arizona's run defense since week one has been one of the better units in the NFL. What did Geno Smith do against Arizona in the first game? He threw for under 200 yards. So look, Geno Smith, like a Rich Gannon has done this. We've seen Rich Gannon, a perennial backup come late in his career. Or is he more like a Nick Foles? He's a kind of a flashman. This is still a small sample size. My job when I'm betting the NFL to identify line value and the top of the market. I am seeing people saying Seattle could go to the Super Bowl. Geno Smith's going to win MVP. The talk out of the Seattle camp is insane. To me, feels like the top of the market for a Seattle team that coming into the year, remember, just eight weeks ago, everyone said, is the worst team in the NFL. Now they're the, be they're the best in the NFC. 
no, not so fast. Plus the revenge factor here in a divisional game within a three-week stretch. I always like the team that lost. I don't love the staff of Arizona, but I do like their defensive staff. Because the team that won, who didn't do anything in that game, they averaged four and a half yards per play. They don't, they don't tend to make the adjustments in these quick turnaround revenge divisional spots. Like Arizona will do stuff different. They also have Hopkins for this matchup. You know, Kyler Murray's legs were big in that first game. I'm sure they will be again. But if you look at Geno Smith, it's like, okay, last week against the Giants, you know, he threw for 200 yards. Against the Chargers, he threw for 200 yards. Against the Cardinals, he threw for under 200. Against the Saints in a spot where they're coming back from London where every team goes over their team total and, you know, they were in comeback mode, yeah, he threw for 270. Against San Fran, who was stopping the run, 190. Against Denver, who was stopping the run, 190. And then he threw for like 700 combined yards against the uh, Falcons and Lions because that's what everyone does. So I think that the Geno Smith has been amazing, high completion percentage. He grades out even if you adjust for opponent. Some of these opponents have had injuries very well, but a lot of this damage has come in favorable situations, favorable game states, favorable opponents. And I just think that the love for Seattle has gone way overboard. So getting Arizona here at minus two at home, um, to me, I have to take it. I will also take it live once they go down. Relax a little bit on Seattle. Give me the give me Arizona and the fake sharp cliffs. I don't know. My gut's telling me. My gut's telling me this is Seattle's just gonna win this game. And is Arizona also a lot unluckier than Seattle? You know, our luck rankings have been crushing, and uh, that kind of identifies as one of the the top plays Arizona uh, against Seattle. The one thing I'll say is, you know, when you talk about kind of you know top of the market. And, and you have been pretty good at identifying that. I think you had the Steelers at the right time and the, the Packers, obviously. So, but like, I always prefer to be getting points in these situations. Like I would love to fade Seattle uh, as a favorite, but you know, here they are still an underdog. I, I just really can't get a handle on this Arizona team. Cliff, you know what I mean? You might, you might be mad at Cliff after this one. I might, but I have, I have to sell. <laughs> I ha- I, this is not, this is not about the Cardinals more as it is uh, about selling Seattle. And I think this is the right time to do it. If Seattle wins this game, are they favored at home against Tampa Bay in week 10? Depends what Tampa does. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a season, man. Uh, I mean, I'll be rooting for you (laughs) for my third pick and the sixth overall of the week nine Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel. I am going with, Here's an uncomfortable one. Let's take a team that's only half a team because they don't have a defense, but I'm still taking them. Detroit plus three and a half at home against the Green Bay Packers. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. This is the time in the season. It's, you know, this, it's a shorter slate. We only got, I think, what, 11, 12, 10, 11 games. Here, when I'm looking for things in an edge, I'm attacking teams and, and, and testing them and seeing if they can beat me. And that's what I'm doing in this Green Bay team because the Lions, and you've talked about this, on the road, Jared Goff turns into a pumpkin. 10 points per game are the Lions averaging on the road. But let's look at their home games. They played four home games. 35 points against Philadelphia, and they lose by three. 36 points against Washington, and they win by nine. 45 points against Seattle. They lose by three. And Without 20... Brown and Swift, some of these games. Yeah, and, and 27 points last week at home against the Dolphins, and they lose 
by four. Okay, cool. Obviously, some people will look at it and say, oh my God, they can't guard anybody. They're scoring all these points and still losing games. But this is perfect. Why? Because we're facing the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers have not scored more than 27 points in a game yet. In one of the games, they scored 20. They did it twice. In one of the games, they needed overtime to do it. So I I'm, I welcome a shootout. Let's see if the Green Bay Packers are really, you know, like completely unbroken and can actually put up, a, you know, 30 plus, which they're probably going to have to do to win, to win and cover this game. And by the way, Detroit, 35, 36, 45, 27. The Lions did that against four defenses that averaged a defensive DVO, a rank of 13th. Three of them were top 15. Philly was second. Seattle is is 11th and Washington's 15th. Green Bay is 22nd. So this is one of the lesser defenses. And it doesn't make sense because Green Bay has talent, but they're just, I mean, Joe Barry, just the scheme ain't it in Green Bay. If you're a Green Bay Packer fan, you know all too well that everyone's calling for his head. But this defense underachieves uh, on a yearly basis, it seems like. And uh, so this will go down as one of the weaker defenses the Lions have faced at home uh, for a team that's averaging well over 30 points per game at home. Early down, EPA per play allowed. The Green Bay Packers are dead last in the entire league. They are worse on early downs from an EPA perspective, then even the Detroit Lions. So this Green Bay defense, yeah, hold hold this Lions team to under 27, which no one's been able to do, or Packers offense, go out there and score 30, which you also haven't been able to do. Uh, I'll take my chances with either of those outcomes, especially getting more than a field goal. Uh, Jared Goff, eight yards per attempt at home, 11 touchdowns, two picks on the road, 7.2 yards per attempt, one touchdown, four picks. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers at home, 7.2 yards per attempt, 244 yards per game. Not great, but he'll get it done. Uh, five touchdowns, one pick, a five to one touchdown to interception ratio. On the road, Rodgers just 6.3 yards per attempt, just 212 passing yards per game, six touchdowns, three picks. So just a two to one touchdown interception ratio. So he hasn't been good uh, outside of Lambeau. And then you look at divisional home dogs. By under six, 60 and 40 against the spread since 2018. Teams on a four game against the spread losing streak, which Detroit is on. They haven't covered after being like the cover darlings of the league. Uh, they haven't covered in four games. Uh, but teams that have failed to cover for four straight in week six through nine, 41, 23, and two against the spread, 64% since 2005. Aaron Rodgers. Everyone always talks about him in the division. Well, through 2015 in divisional road games, great. 16 and seven against the spread. Fantastic. Don't do not want to fade him. But uh, from 2016 on, just six and 11 against the spread is Aaron Rodgers in divisional road games. And remember, almost all of those games, he had Devontae Adams or some other form of better receivers than he's going to have in this spot. And Detroit, 
they play a lot of man coverage. They obviously haven't been great at it. They just fired uh, their defensive backs coach. So maybe we, they also have kind of the element of, you know, maybe something will change kind of like what you're talking about with the Colts and their offensive coordinator. Maybe they do something a little different. Anything's better than what they've been doing. But I'm take this bad Lions defense and, and test the Green Bay Packers. Can you outscore this Lions team indoor at home? Or are we going to see the same old Packers team that's just not quite right? Just like a lot of these other teams with these, uh, Older quarterbacks, just not quite right this year. I'm going to test them. Give me Detroit plus three and a half against the Pack. Yeah, I'm a little worried about this one. Maybe because I just have PTSD from having Detroit last week plus three and a half at home <laughs> in a game that led like two touchdowns and led the entire game until the end. And then Goff throws it on fourth and one at the end, trying to go down the field uh, instead of running upon that offensive line. I think the Green Bay offense is like, I still think we're close to the bottom of the market in Green Bay. Like they got the cover last week They're, but I just feel like they're going to have a game where the, the offense and look, you're, I don't blame you for just making them prove it, but like they're still top 10 in success rate on offense. And if they get a lead, which they could go against Detroit, that's when their defense will actually work. Yeah. I'm a little afraid of like, Okay, the the Packers offense isn't great, but they've been running unlucky. And like the Lions would be that opponent that would just, I, of course, would like everything would go right against. So, but I don't mind taking the three year, three over three year. That's kind of why I like this bet. It's because the Packers could have a game where they turn it around on offense and they're still not guaranteed to cover a win because the Lions are putting up, you know, 35 points a game. At home, like this could just be a shootout. So, yeah, prove it to me, uh, Green Bay. Prove it to me. All right. That is going to wrap it for our week number nine. Sunday six-pack presented by FanDuel. Let's see who we got for quarterbacks. We got the – we got Kyler. We got Ellinger. We got Tom Brady. So, okay. We got Heineke, P.J. Walker, and Goff. Yeah, so you got the (laughs) – again, you got the stars. Uh, kind of a role reversal. Usually it's you with the uglier quarterbacks, I would say, but uh, Arizona minus two for you. Indianapolis. Well, Brady's an uglier quarterback. Yeah, I know, pretty much, yeah. And Kyra was for most of the year, too, without Hopkins. No. Arizona minus two, Colts plus five and a half, and the Bucks minus three uh, for Stucky. For me, Washington plus three and a half, Carolina plus seven and a half, and the Lions Three and a half. Now it is time for our week number nine coaches pep talk. Every time we get ready to play, I just want to throw up. So depressed, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm sick of watching you guys play. Just how bad can it get? All right. This week's coaches pep talk comes to us from actor Charlie Day in the 2017 film Fist Fight. And we got to dedicate this to Josh McDaniels because... Of all things for the Raiders to do, just go lay an egg against the New Orleans defense that really hadn't been good all year, missing Marshawn Lattimore. I still can't put my finger on exactly what 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 was going on with that Raider team in in New Orleans. So, Josh McDaniels, this one's for you. <laughs> Guys, you know, uh, look, you try to be a nice guy, right? And, and treat everyone with respect, but you don't get it. You don't get it back in return. You know why? Because nice guys, they finish last. Yeah. 
and, and you're, you're gonna say, hey, I'm a nice guy, I I'm doing okay, and the world is gonna unzip its pants, pull them down, and take a giant fucking shit all over you guys. I just can't win, guys. I cannot win. All right, now let's get into our favorite total of the week. I am going with the Jets Bills under 46 and a half. I think both of these defenses are very good, and there's only one good offense in this game. So uh, 46 points, 47 points, a lot of points for uh, these two teams, in my opinion. First of all, let's look at the let's look at the Jets because I think the Jets are the you know if you haven't been following too close, you might not realize just how good the Jets' defense is starting to become. And I yes, I know they face some some backup quarterbacks and whatnot, but you look at the talent on this team. I, I think this defense is for real. They're eighth in uh, DVOA, eighth against the pass, eighth against the run. They're number three in pressure rate, and they blitz at a bottom five rate, which means they're getting home with their front four. Quinton Williams has been a monster, 32 pressures, seven sacks. Every single Buffalo interior lineman, so both guards and the center Morse, are ranked below average across the board in PFF grades. So I think he's going to be tough to deal with on the inside, but you're not going to ever – like you know contain this buffalo offense or you're never you're never gonna like fully shut it out but this is the best defense buffalo has faced uh thus far this year that's saying something here because buffalo is one in six toward the over or said another way they're six and one toward the under and they've been facing defenses that are uh, a lot worse than the jets you have two top five corners in coverage grade and sauce gardner who's second and dj reed jr who's fifth so uh, it's the most you can ask for when you're going against Diggs and Gabriel Davis. You look on the other side of the ball and you say, okay, you know, Buffalo, their defense, top five, and they've already faced three top five offenses. They face Kansas City first, Baltimore second, and Miami's fifth. All three of them, Buffalo held them to 21 points or fewer. They faced three offenses that rank 20th or below, like the Jets, who are 21st. Buffalo allowing 6.7 points per game to those offenses with a high of 10. No offense ranked 20th or below has equipped 10 points against this Bills defense. I don't think the Jets will be able to hear either. The Jets are fourth worst in third down conversion rate since Zach Wilson returned. And you know, we've talked about his passer rating under pressure. It's abysmal. It's under 15 so I don't think the Jets are going to have much success moving the football. And I think the Bills, they'll still be good on offense, but they won't. They'll have their toughest matchup uh, that they've had yet this season. Divisional unders in games played outdoors, 19 and 6, 76% this season, 55 and 33, 63% since the start of last season, uh, covering by almost three points per game. So give me the Bills Jets under. 46 and a half. Yeah, this number's a tad high for my likings. I, I really want to play the Bills. I This sets up as a, a classic Bills game that they win a lot of games by double digits. And, like, they know if they know when the Jets are going to throw, kind of trying to come back, I, I would, like, I, I I don't mind this under. The only thing at the Dodge is uh, Turnover. The Zach Wilson yeah. you know, pick sixes. He, under pressure, because the Bills, and, and I, I had that down here, too, in my handicap, which is why, where, why I knew where you were going with it. The Jets' <laughs> third highest pressure rate, and they don't blitz. And 
Yeah, they do it on third downs too. They they can get pressure and they're dropping their safeties back, good corners. But they can prevent the explosive plays here and make the Bills drive down the field. And then, um, so I think that's an important handicap here. But Zach Wills, Zach Wills is going to be under pressure also without mm-hmm. the Bills having to blitz, and he's nine of forty-seven for one hundred and forty yards. 3.3 yards per attempt, one touchdown, five picks under pressure. I mean, he's just going to spin out of the pocket, run around and throw it up, and you got to hope that the Bills don't catch it and return it for a touchdown. Um, but it feels to me like the number – you're paying a premium for the Bills here. It's I, I, don't, I, can't, I don't know if I can lay 13 in a road divisional game um, against a, a competent Jets defense. But I think – yeah, I don't disagree with you under. I think it's Bills or nothing. Because I just think that the Jets, their defense is good, but it's overrated because of the quarterbacks they face. And like you said, you're not going to stop this Bills offense. So the Bills should get a lead. And then the Bills are going to, like, then it's going to be Zach Wilson trying to come back against the Bills. That's not going to end well. Uh, For my favorite total, I'm going to go with the Titans Chiefs under, uh, under 46 and a half. This is, like, the Titans... I don't know how they win games. They, they last week was the first game they should have won, um, and I finally won money faded them in a tease. Um, but yeah, they won last week by handing the ball to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has seventy nine more rushing yards than any other player from weeks four to eight, and he had a bye. Um, so they're just they were just handing him the ball a ton. They're the slowest team in the NFL as a result, but they're so limited elsewhere and. The reason that I like this under is that the Chiefs' run defense has actually improved this year. Some of their new pieces. I mean, if you look at the Chiefs' run defense numbers in recent seasons, I know our colleague Matt Moore would get tired of me basically on a record player saying, like, the Chiefs' run defense is poverty. It's poverty because it was. Um, And they couldn't stop anybody. And now if you look, they're middle of the pack. Um, This is a team that's, what, 14th in EPA per rush. And, you know, they're like 23rd, I think, in rush success rate. Not a good run defense. I would say slightly below average overall. Before, this was dead last by far 32nd ranked run defense in the NFL. You know, they're also coming off of a bye here. Um, It's a smart staff. They know it's coming here. Titans have the worst receiving room in the NFL. And they're going to load the box. And I don't think that... Derrick Henry's going to have much success here. He'll, have, he'll get his, but he's not going to dominate the game like he did against Houston. Kansas City will get a lead, and they'll drain this clock out. That's what they do at home against bad teams. And if you look under Andy Reid, and for what it's worth, the under over the last 30 years has hit 55.5% of the time in games where the home team is favored by more than 10 points. Chiefs unders in home games under Randy Reid have always been a thing when they're a favorite. 43-25-1, and 64%, going under by four points per game. How about when they're favored by seven-plus points at home? 24-10-1, 70%, going under by a touchdown a game. How about as a double-digit favorite? 14-5, and 70%, going under by eight points per game. So these games tend to play out the same way. Yeah, the Chiefs, basically what the Titans have done if you look for their body of work this year, they can only score in like the scripted portion, generally speaking. Well, the Chiefs are one of the best staffs in the NFL. They're coming off of a bye week. What do you think they spent their time doing here? It's not 
preparing for the complex Tennessee Titans passing attack. It's okay, load the box and let's see what they're doing in the scripted portion. So, yeah, I think that they shut down Tennessee's offense here. They'll have success because Tennessee's defense, especially against the pass, is very suspect. They'll build a lead and and this thing will grind to a halt. Give me the under. We're both betting under 46 yeah. and a half. Yes. Like sometimes we're yeah. going under like 40, 39, 41. Like yeah. either yeah. this is like a legit above average NFL score here. So yeah, there I think yeah, there's the some spread questions. too. I mean, read off the buy has been killer. Vrabel as a dog though has been great. Yeah. I like the under too. So I don't want to lay 13 here. Backdoor risk always. But I do think Chiefs are the side because I think that'll like they're just gonna get a lead and then the Titans offense is gonna go into pieces and then there's nothing they can do. Definitely, I think the total is, is the right play just based on – I think you have more outs. I, it would never surprise me if anyone comes out flat uh, offensively yeah. these days. So, either way, the Titans' route to victory is keep, keeping Kansas City off the scoreboard. Kansas City's route to victory is Tennessee not scoring. So, all right. So, Bills, Jets, under 46.5. Titans, Chiefs, under 46.5. Now let's get into our favorite teaser of the week. Oh, yeah. Six point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. Where are you going for this week? Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's see the Jags over a touchdown. Obviously, the premise of that article, which you'll see, it's ideally, you want to tease through three and seven. Lower the total, the better, if possible. Um, but yeah, Jags and Raiders, two teams that just—they're just always going to disappoint you. But they can't. And 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 what I mean by that is they're never going to get margin. Like this game should go right down the wire. Oh, the you know, and like the Jags are coming back from London. They've done it before. Not many have done it the same week. But like the Raiders are also out on the East Coast on their second road game after New Orleans. One of the explanations for what happened last week is there was a virus going around that entire locker room. Mm. I don't think they got past the 50, by the way, until like the very until the end. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But like some people were saying it was COVID. Some people were saying it was flu. Some people were saying it was like a stomach virus. That makes Ron sense. Adams was dealing with it. And so they were like, and they, I watched a couple, uh, when I watched that game, it was like, they looked mm-hmm. now it's flat. hard because I'm like, I'm biased, but they, to me, cause I heard this before and then, but yeah, they look flat, lethargic. And um, so we'll see if there's any after effects of that now going down uh going over to florida but regardless this game should i think will be played within one possession and then uh give me the Bengals going against your panthers uh i don't mind your bet but i do think that burrow will at least ensure that the Bengals pulled this out you would hope you would hope you get ugly for cincinnati sometimes but yeah I if will not, go- we can uh pop the champagne <laughs> bottles for the ravens winning the division right that would be lights out. I mean, they always seem to make it hard on themselves too. I, I this yeah. season's got a long way to go. I mean, especially in the NFC, but uh, yeah, it's nothing. Nothing's wrapped up. Uh, I will go with the. I'll go with the Jags as well uh, because I, I kind of regret. I, I, I'm worried. Legit worried about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's only been good against the Colts, really, and a game against Jacksonville. I mean, a game against uh, the Chargers where he didn't really have to do a ton, but I'm not seeing a type of improvement that I would like to see in year two. I know it's, you know, first year in the new scheme and new system again, but uh, still some bad decisions, inaccurate throws, just things that you don't want to see, but 
still think against yeah, the Raiders. Yeah, he's not taking defense. that step, but still, they, they yeah. what is their record? Two, two and six. What are they? Two and five, two and six. They've yeah. lost no games on more than one possession. For yeah, exactly. It's you know they're and I love ETN and the Raiders yeah. have just been getting decimated by running backs. Give me the Jags up to seven and a half. And then I'll, I'll go Seahawks up to plus eight. I know you like the Cardinals in this spot, but I still think it'll be a close game. Uh, I think the only it was the only game the Seahawks lost by more than one possession. I think it was that Niners game in week two, if I'm not mistaken. Everything else has been within one possession. So divisional matchup, still think it could go either way. So I'll, I'll see the Seahawks up to eight along with the Jags to seven and a half. All right, that is going to do it for our Teasers, again, Stuck has the Bengals down to one and a half and the Jaguars up to seven and a half. I have the Jaguars up to seven and a half and the Seahawks up to eight. Now it's time for our Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Speaking of the Saints, you hit another Moneyline underdog. So you're you have you now hit six. Six out of the eight weeks you have hit. So people don't even parlay him. Just to, to just tell Stucky's dog because you're crushing it. Uh I've only hit three so far, so I am lagging behind. But uh where are you going for this week? Yeah, let's get a little crazy. I'm gonna go with the Bears. The forecast hasn't got hasn't helped in the last couple of hours, but maybe there's there's gonna be some wind. I was hoping for some rain. Dude, some things are going to have to change. But the best teams in the NFL, in my opinion, are the Bills, the Bears, and weather. That's it. <laughs> uh, that's the only time the Bears win. And then Justin Fields just runs around and makes plays. And it limits the opposing the other offense passing attack. But I think this line has just you know, gotten a little too far out there. And I think this soldier field limits the, the Dolphins' speed a little bit. Introduce some variants. So yeah, let's go with the Bears. Yeah, another team. I, I kind of thought about them with the with the spread, but I, I I do think this is probably a better way to attack it because I, I also watched their run defense last week, and it, like this could be the week Miami could finally you know maybe they get Mostert going. But uh, I agree. I think you know this Bears team. You know they showed me some things going on the road to Foxborough and coming out with a better game plan than the. The Patriots and doing their thing, so I don't mind it at all. And speaking of which, I'm gonna go with the Colts here plus 205 on FanDuel, and it's for kind of that exact reason you mentioned it. The Patriots have been a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, and it yeah. used to be okay, you can't have a young quarterback come into Foxborough and get a win, but then then the Bears happened a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. You know, this Colts team could do a lot of the same things, except they can actually stop the run, but they have a mobile quarterback, not not a ton of tape out, even less tape uh, than Fields, obviously. Uh, and, you know, you have a, a guy in Frank Reich, we mentioned, tends to be at his best in this these kind of spots for better or for worse. So, uh, you know, the Colts could have easily beat the, the commanders last week. I don't think the Patriots are like in a wheat team by any means. Uh, I think they are a team that's just kind of a little bit above, above average. They got some good players. They got some not so good players. So uh, in this kind of year, give me the Colts plus two or five in Foxborough with the young QB. So if you take the bears plus plus one eighty against the dolphins and the Colts plus two Oh five against the Patriots, you're going to get just over seven 
and a half X your money. So a hundred dollars returns eight fifty four. Courtesy of the Action Network Parlay Calculator. So uh, hopefully I can pick up the slack here and uh, we hit another parlay. Now it is time for Meaningful to Some, the new best of the rest, where we cover the games that we have not talked about in any other segment, but that are still, as Al Michaels loves to say, meaningful to some. That's going to be a touchdown, but that may be meaningful to some of you. And you know who I mean. All right, so we just got one game. It's a white slate with a bunch of teams on by. So it's just the Chargers and the Falcons. The game is being played in Atlanta. So Atlanta stays home. They are plus three at home. The total is 49 and a half. The news, as you alluded to earlier, looks like Keenan Allen suffered a setback. So he's not practicing. Josh Palmer has been cleared and Parham, the tight end has been cleared, but no Mike Williams for about a month or, or, or more. So this Chargers offense is still even coming off the bye, not close to full strength. And then obviously, you know, still missing Slater, still missing both on defense, no JC Jackson, although that's probably addition by subtraction. But what do you think of this one with this kind of banged up Charger team going up against the, ATS darlings, the Falcons. Yeah, I'm thinking about back of the Chargers. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because number one, you know, when you first you first look at the Chargers and you say, oh, the the run D is really bad. The Falcons, that's what they do. They're going to control the clock here. The Chargers are allowing 5.7 yards per carry on the year. But then I dug into it a little bit because when I watched them, I'm like, well, the run defense looks better. Um, and you know, they added some pieces in the front seven. So I went and looked. They've given up runs. If you go at the most runs at 40 plus yards this year they give up like a 74 yarder to uh kenneth walker, kenneth when they walker down yep. 20 uh but they also give up a 52 yarder another 50 yarder, a 75 yarder to pierce and then another 41 yarder so they've allowed five carries of over 40 yards if you remove those and i'll explain why i'm going to do that here they've only on 164 carries they've only allowed four yards per carry which would be third in the nfl that's why overall, when you don't even when you don't remove those, they're ninth in success rate against the run. So what does that mean? Well, yeah, it's bad to give up 80 yard runs, um, obviously, but the, and they might hear, you know, quarter off Patterson could come back too. But I was more concerned with like Atlanta controlling the clock and marching down the field. And I think the Chargers run D on a down to down basis is better than people think. And the other side, it's like AJ Terrell still isn't practicing. You know, Casey Hayward's on IR. The Falcons get zero pressure whatsoever. So the issues on the offensive line for the Chargers because of injuries aren't going to rear their ugly heads here. They should also be able to run well with Eckler against a bad run D. So Herbert's going to have time to throw here. And I do think that the Chargers' defense against the run will have more success than people think. So the question then becomes... And, and he's probably going to be throwing against a secondary that's probably missing multiple starters. Do I trust the wide receivers here off of a bye too in Palmer, what Carter, Parham, Michael Bandy, maybe? Trust, <laughs> yeah, do I trust this room? So I'm, I'm leaning on you here to give me your thoughts on what you think of them. So I, I, I kind of thought of it's that the same thing. And I, I make the line about three. I think the line is more or less correct, but 
I would lean Chargers because I do think it's similar to that spot where you back the Bengals against the Falcons, where, you know, this Falcons team is just, it's an explosive quarterback. I know he's going to be down to the weapons, but he's still got Eckler. They're still going to be able to run the ball. Uh, and I, I think it's just a spot where the Chargers can put up enough points here to, you know, get more than just, you know, okay, it's a field goal. But at the same time, and you told me this, it's like the Chargers always find a way to keep the opponent yeah. in it in the fourth quarter. And the Falcons, for more or less, have always found a way to kind of hang in there. So, I mean, at three, it's probably a pass for me. I think if it, if it for some reason, got down to two and a half, which I, I don't think it will, I wouldn't mind the Chargers. But, I mean, I, the, the key number is probably almost one or, or one and a half with the Chargers, live, right? Because Live money yeah, line, right. down. Yeah. I don't think they'll have any any problem coming back from a, de- from a deficit in this particular game. You give Herbert time with Eckler, you know, and he's had two weeks to work with these receivers too, which I think is important to get some timing off the bye. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe that's the look. Falcons get down, look for them live like a pick. Yeah, I mean, better. the issue with Herbert this year has been he hasn't been throwing downfield the way we're used to. So with time, you would think he would. Although now the question is, well, without Mike Williams. You know, what's the scheme going to be like? The Chargers should be able to outscore this Falcons team just on brute. You know, our offense is better than your defense, and there's less of a gap between your offense and our defense. Like, that that should be yeah. enough here. Uh, but I just can't predict what Brandon Staley is doing. So, like, at three, I would honestly pass, but I wouldn't I wouldn't mind it, you know? I, maybe even maybe, maybe Moneyline Parlay with something else or something like that, just so you don't Chiefs. have to worry about the – yeah, with the Brandon Staley Chiefs and Chargers. Yeah, there you go. Because, like, you never want to have to cover three with Staley. He's going to fucking go for two and miss it. And it's just like, you know what's going to happen now? She, uh, Chargers by 50. Yeah. And then my nemesis, Titans, beat the Chiefs. Right, yeah. And then I'll lose my part. <laughs> on an on a over, too. Like, it'll be like 24-23 Titans. On oh, by the way, we didn't mention this, it's ta- uh, which is – Part of it too is Tannehill might not what's go. Updated status, we don't know, right? So that yeah, would obviously yeah. up the under. It obviously would up the cheese. That's head just hedged into the line. Like he could go, he might not. It could be Malik Willis again. If it is Malik Willis again, it's like probably going to be similar to the same game plan. It's like we're going to hand it to Derrick Henry a million times. But I just wanted to bring that up. So I forgot to mention that during the game. All right, that is going to wrap it up for the week number nine. Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. If you want to check out more of our great betting content, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com. You can find Stucky in the Action Network app at Stucky2. You can find me at Chris Raybon. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at those same handles. Until next time, let's get this money. Look over here.